Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week, we're throwing it back. Because y'all know, can nobody throw it back like a thought-ass thought? We're revisiting our transcendent, resplendent, sexy, silly, funny conversation with our Lord and Savior, Channy Nicholas. Take a listen, and if you're still an astrology holdout, take a ride on Saturn's cock ring and explore Uranus. Take it away. Welcome to Food for Thought, a podcast gab fest where in a multiracial mix of queer writers gather around the table to talk about sex, identity, culture, what we like to read, and who we like to read. Food for Thought, a show where the witches hunt you. Done. I'm Done. Fran. I'm a writer. I'm an editor. And uh, I'm on my third night out in Los Angeles, which is why I sound like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I'm Dennis Norris II, and I'm a reader, a writer, a former figure skater. And despite the fact that I am a grown-ass woman, I still giggle at jokes about Uranus. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. He's flirting with me. <laughs> I'm so ready. I will flirt with you all night long. I am Joseph Osmondson, scientist, nonfiction writer, and I, I need a man to take a chance on a love that will burn hot enough to last. Oh, oh. oh. sentimental. Yes. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm Chani Nicholas, and I'm an astrologer and a writer, and I don't know how to say Uranus. <laughs> you know, you some people this. believe in God. Me, myself, I believe in Cheney Nicholas. Uh, in the studio, we have no pressure, though. No pressure. Astrologer extraordinaire, high priestess of queer witch Twitter, uh, Channy. Thank you so much Thank for joining you. us today. Thank in you for so much for having me. What do we have on the menu this week, Joseph? Yeah, this week we swipe left on Gemini's, as always. Oh. We fix your life the way only a good Virgo can. Mm. For our main course, we look for answers in the stars. And for our dessert, we give you some sex education. Take it away. Mm. I'm feeling a little peckish, so let's start the top of this show the way any good top should. A little tease, a little something to wet your palates and minds. It's the amuse-bouche. And today we're going to amuse your bouches uh, with a little game of swipe right, swipe left. Uh, we're treating it like Tinder, so swiping mm-hmm. left is like the bad thing, <sighs> and swiping right is like mm. the good thing. Um, I personally don't use Tinder, uh, but, you know, I've heard <laughs> that the kids uh, like it. Um, okay, <laughs> so swipe right, swipe left. Lindsay Lohan's new reality show, Beach Club. Gosh, I haven't seen it. Full disclosure, I also have not seen it. No, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but I'm so happy it exists. I am absolutely swiping right. Mm -hmm. I want her to thrive. I also swipe right. She's been through so much. Mm. (laughs) Jenny is looking at Joseph with the utmost disbelief. I just astrally projected. Like, I am no longer a Jenny has instantly become my favorite guest to ever be on Oh my god. Channy's look. One day I learned how to control that. Your look was meaner than anything that Matt Rogers said to me. (laughs) Control it. Never learn how to control it. What happened is everything that she's 
done like for the past 10 years kind of flashed before my eyes and I was like do we care anymore does she need to take up any more space I don't know if we need to give a white woman that is that messy another shot that I is true know. that I don't, it, listen. I don't know I don't know thank I you Channy for keeping it real Okay. Um, I guess that's left. <laughs> that is a, a hard left. <laughs> you understand the game. You definitely understand the game. Uh, swipe right, swipe left. Scorpios. Oh God. Channy. like, how are you feeling, Channy? She's sweating. She's sweating. I feel like I have to like rep for my entire profession. Um, I don't like the question. I. <laughs> I, I swipe. Right on sleeping with Scorpios and swipe left on literally any other activity with oh, them. That's so rude. <laughs> oh, oh my god, Kenya. Oh. <laughs> She'll be fine. I, I swipe right on Scorpios. I'm already I'm always ready for a good time. Like wow. let's okay, keep it exciting and interesting. <laughs> I swipe left on sun sign bashing. Oh, oh. Ooh. Ooh. Yes. Hope you didn't listen to the rest of our season. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, anyways, let me just scrap the, the rest of the 50 minutes of material that I have here. Um, uh, do you want to come back in an hour? Uh, <laughs> swipe right, swipe left, deadlines. Oh. Wow. I, we have all Channy's been... reactions, the uh, nonverbals are so strong. Honestly, I'm, so I'm, fully, I'm fully attacking Channy right now because she has a book with deadline in like five days. <laughs> <laughs> it's very soon. <laughs> I will swipe right. They keep me on track. I need them in order to create work. I will I, swipe right. I also swipe right. They're mm, great. Interesting. I mean, come on. Have you met me? <laughs> what's, a, what's a deadline? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Dennis literally does not. Oh, yes. Messy. Messy. I mean, it, so works. it works for it, you? It does. It does work for me. To an extent. Wow. See, I love that. It doesn't work for me. And mm. my deadline is really the moon most of the time. And then like other that. deadlines, it's like they're good for me, but also with the big deadlines, yeah. Sometimes they don't work, and then I just feel guilt. Mm, uh, yeah, uh-huh. which is not a cute thing. To yeah. Feel. yeah, they make me feel very and anxious. Anxiety. I have a yeah. lot of anxiety so around them, anxiety. but they do. You know, it gives me something to shoot towards. And, I, and one yeah. of the things I like about working in academia is sort of the cycle of stress yeah. and then release. release. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I like deadlines for that. It's like yeah. I am anxious. It's done, and then I t- sort of give myself a breath. Yeah. yeah. This is the first book I've ever written, and it's so horrible. the release. No one should and ever the release do it. is never. It's like it yeah. will never come. It, yeah. 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 So it's so hard to keep myself creatively yeah. like on track and understanding like how to recoup the energy. Very, very true. It's so it's just like out and then out and then seven miles more yep. of work and then and then yeah. touring and then press and it's crazy. But even just to get through the yeah. editing process, oh it's like how then I have to uh, oh my god, all the other little mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> swipe right, swipe left, uh, Michelle Obama's Balenciaga boots. All together. Swipe right. So hard right. Swipe swipe right, swipe left. Uh, The TV show Charmed. The The new one? The new one or the the old one? Why don't, will you tell me? Well, I was thinking the new one, the you reboot. You like the new one? No, no, no. I'm not saying I like it. I'm saying I put it on the question because there was a lot of controversy around yeah. around rebooting Charmed. Tell and me I was about curious it. To know well, the way they thought. did it. What's the, the way they way cast they did it. it? They cast folks of a certain ethnicity for a reason, but then they weren't that. And then they also were casting women of color 
to still be witches in a way that was very Eurocentric instead uh, of going into their yeah. own personal lineages of, of witchness, witchhood, right, right, whatever right, you yeah. want to say, witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So it was like a lot of misses. It was like a, <laughs> a it seemed like a lot of missed opportunities. Because yep, yep, yep. how right fascinating way. would it be to go into different lineages yeah. mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. of of witchcraft sorcery. and sorcery and, yeah. and, yeah. and histories? Of, and, and yeah. I yeah. mean, geographically, there's yeah. got to be so much so different things there. Yeah, yeah. That's, and why yeah, are we never talking about indigenous ways of mm-hmm. living on the earth, which is what witchcraft is, or what it's, mm-hmm. we talk about when we're talking about witches? And why are we here always creating things and never having the original people mm-hmm. as part of it? But mm-hmm. amazing, probably be a similar answer. But swipe right, swipe left. The new Sabrina the Teenage Witch series. <sighs> Did you watch it, Jenny? I felt like that was also... Yes, I did watch it. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the special Christmas thing or no, whatever. No, I couldn't either. But I felt like it was also such a missed opportunity because why are we even putting the patriarchy in the center of the story in the yeah. fucking oh, per- wow. first place? Right, Just right, have right, it right. be female-dominated, femme-dominated witchery and like they, yeah. what what's the point and they already of the had, devil they were thing. inspired by feminism like there were feminist plot points in that series that never really came to fruition because right. they constantly had to report to the men you know or right. like be beholden <laughs> to men's plot points in some way you know mm-hmm. yeah right um, and the one black character is on house arrest the whole time the one black queer the one right. queer character as well See. kind of um like it was just like yeah. A mess. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, swipe right, swipe left, Lizzo. Oh, swipe right. Right. Swipe right. Obviously. One of my what favorite. a hell love. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> also, that her new song Juice. I'm sorry, I'm obsessed. It's so, incredible. Yeah. The yeah, video is incredible. Amazing. The visuals, and she just works so hard, so and she hard. is giving us. Mm. Everything, everything every day mm-hmm. everything, she is every giving day. us everything content every single day, every day. And Instagram is amazing I can say like she is as joyous and as beautiful and as loving and as sweet and as charming in real life as she is and that she is a total gem of a human being I think uh, she's just total love like I love I, I adore her I love it professionally what personally all what of sign it. is she again she's Taurus Oh right! Uh, <laughs> so happy. you knew that, so that makes but she has so a really but but more than that, she has a really big Jupiter signature. Mm. So her like abundance and her ability mm. to give and her ability to be big and her ability to like to like kind of like bounce back and her her whole thing is like Teflon, you know, like she's like I'm gonna be happy and I'm gonna be okay. loud and I'm gonna be myself and that's very Jupiter. So that's mm. very much her Jupiter sun. It's not really Taurian. Mm. <laughs> that also makes sense. I am yeah. Yeah, amazing. Truly. And I can only say that because she wanted me to do her chart for Teen Vogue, and then she also put out her astrology like yesterday on, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying anything that yeah, yeah, of <laughs> that isn't out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <gasps> okay, swipe right, swipe left. Taking a break from social media. Right. Mm. In theory, sounds no. like a great idea. <laughs> I personally. What does have a break that. constitute? It's like an hour. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> A day, a day, a weekend. A day or a weekend or at times weeks. Like we, what our co-host Tommy, who's not here, like can take, we'll delete his social media. Delete it, yeah. For like months. (gasps) Really? Does he get so much done? He gets so much more work done. The girl has cranked out four bucks in four And it's when it comes back to your question about deadlines. It's like Tommy self-imposes these deadlines and then as they approach and he's not done the work, deletes all social media. I also don't want to glorify this because Tommy's a sociopath. Yes, absolutely correct. A hundred percent true. 
Um, I've so I increasingly use social media as a place to workshop writing. Yes. So in a way, I, I yeah. think it's really hard for those of us whose social media presence is a part of our job yes. as well. Yeah. It's and also, also like going in, it's like going into the like, what is that like book that you have, like writing like prompts, right? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I go exactly. there for prompts and totally. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's an interesting way to say that or think yeah, about exactly. that. or that. So I do go in there for inspiration and then lose seven hours. Uh-huh. I, I definitely, go there for I definitely do accidental social media breaks where I'm like hiking yeah. and then there's no cell phone service, right? And I think that I find to be really restorative, but I don't yeah. necessarily go to do that thing because it's going to be a social media break. It's just like to get out of my life and routine, but yeah. it ends yeah. up being that. When I have dinner with you or when I'm hanging out with you, absolutely Off. no phone. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 very important. I don't, I can't, I don't think I could ever workshop my work in a social media space. Yeah. Before. Primarily because I, you know, don't trust other people's opinions. <laughs> I love other people's opinions. I'm just kidding. I'm, just kidding. <laughs> I'm being facetious. Um, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, swipe right, swipe left, Priyanka Chopra and Nick Jonas getting married. <sighs> All right. <laughs> And that sounds like a great place to end. coin purses benches it's time for penny for your thoughts that's right this is the segment we're in um you know as joseph says three absolutely horrible trash can't get their lives together people and channy nicholas will (laughs) will answer to the questions that y'all send through each week um uh, just to clarify again we are deeply unqualified to answer these questions doctor shut up i'm the doctor (laughs) joseph (laughs) i'm always trying for a doctor erasure i'm sorry Dr. Joseph Osmondson. <laughs> Shut up. How dare you? Um, uh, but we we had some good ones this week. And honestly, like, I, I they're all just, it's just me. It's me pretending, <laughs> uh, pretending to write in so that I can get advice from Shannon. One of your class. 17 um, Finstas. <laughs> yeah, that's really it. Um, okay, so the first one we got in is, uh, how have you all dealt with the dreaded imposter syndrome in your career, life, love, or sexuality? At times, I feel unworthy of love and my career, and I'm trying to change my own mind. If I had an answer for that, I feel like, you know, I would be doing a lot better. But I think imposter syndrome is something that all of all, at least I can speak for the thoughts that is something that we all deal with pretty consistently, Um, especially as queer people. I feel like we are just constantly told multiple times that we are, you know, less extraordinary than we actually are. um, And that, you know, sets us back a little bit. But I don't know about you. Yeah, I mean, I the, one of the things that is frustrating to me about, about imposter syndrome, and I think why it's a syndrome, is I always think it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, once I get my PhD, it'll go away. Mm-hmm. Like, once I publish a book, it'll go away. Once I do X, it'll go away. And it just never does. It, it kind of has a lot to do with me with my class issues as well. Like, uh, I'll never not feel poor, I think, because I mm-hmm. spent my f- entire foundational portion of my life feeling poor. And mm-hmm. so uh, I try to, um, you know, it's on the one hand, you try to undo the negative self-talk, like mm-hmm. actively be like, oh, that thought pattern is toxic and it's not healthy for me and it's not true. Uh, and on the other hand, it's like I really have to accept that, um, you know, issues of class and queerness and imposter syndrome are just a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And it's all, and it also kind of motivates me to work really hard and mm-hmm. do better. So it's like it, it's both trying to undo but also ex- just accept that it's going to be a component of my life, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that I think that um that's a really wise point of view. I think for me this is like a super tough question because like for most people it's something that I'm always dealing with being brown, being queer, um being a creative and trying to build a career in a creative space, but there's a couple of ways in which I think I can talk about it. Like one is that 
the two biggest places in my life where I tend to feel imposter syndrome is in love and romance. It's not so much feeling like I don't deserve those things as a queer person. It's more like once I, when I really fall hard for someone, it can sometimes be really difficult for me to to understand why they might be interested in me. And so that feels like imposter syndrome in a, in a slightly different way, like imposter syndrome in the context of the two of us. And so mm-hmm. um, that's something that I sort of always have to just like – like sort of trying to critique why I feel that way and think through that has to sort of stay on a low burn in my head and in my heart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And the other place where I sometimes feel it is in my career. And I try to actually, what I try to do is flip it around. So I try to think, okay, let's think about why I feel imposter syndrome here. I feel imposter syndrome here um, possibly because of what I, something that I've accomplished at my age, possibly because of something that I've accomplished as a person of color or a queer person in, a, in an area where perhaps there aren't a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And then I try to look at that fact. Like if, if, if society is telling me that I shouldn't be in this position and I'm still in this position, like it's okay for me to feel a little bit like an imposter mm. because I'm actually not an imposter. Like if mm. I'm in this, if I'm in this position that I'm not supposed to be in, then actually, like that's a good thing, and I just have to ask myself, like, step up to the plate and do what you're what you're trying to do. So I sort of try to flip it into, like, feeling good about the fact that I'm doing something that maybe I like shouldn't be doing, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. that that I might feel like I'm not qualified to do. Does that make any sense? Or yeah. is that crazy? So what I was gonna say, <clears throat> I think it's the other way of what how to say what you're saying is that I think it's important to interrogate what we feel like an imposter within mm-hmm. instead of interrogating the imposter syndrome say well what is the thing what is that professional thing that i think i'm an imposter of mm-hmm. like what the fuck is that mm-hmm. because nobody is perfect or ready or done mm-hmm. or complete in and of themselves in any way shape or form because we're all supposed to be growing and learning and mm-hmm. evolving mm-hmm. and so why not interrogate the system mm-hmm. that tells me there's a place yes. to yeah. get to mm-hmm. that i am not ever going to fit into so when you were talking I was also thinking of in kind of more personal ways how that can land with me like if I'm in spaces with my wife where our union is like not at all recognized it's really intense Mm -hmm. to be in places where people are like oh that's when are you guys when are like when are you getting married to an opposite sex person like we get Uh, asked stuff like that a lot and even after we say that we're married people like don't hear it or don't register it (laughs) (laughs) in certain situations in certain contexts right and so the the what has to then arise from the self is a like fuck that system that where you can't even even when you i say the words they don't even land land. in you because it's not part of your reality Mm -hmm. so like let's let's deconstruct that reality interrogate it and say why can't this exist as it's existed throughout time Mm -hmm. in in your reality, like where at the, where the fuck am I? Right, exactly. And it's so easy to have that feel like that can, that comes in at you and can come in into your romantic spaces, mm-hmm. into your erotic self, into the, exp- and the erotic self is the creative self. So mm-hmm. our work and our sex and our everything in between, it's all connected, right? Mm-hmm. So however I'm able to find a way to connect and have a relationship with that, mm-hmm. 
and trust it more than the systems that I'm in, exactly. the yes. freer I am to do what mm-hmm. I need to do with it. Right. Yes. Because that like that quintessential perfect version of your sexual self or your career self or whatever is such an artifice. Like yeah. it just it's not yeah. a thing. Yeah. I also this is really unfortunate, but I like I someone who like really can't hear a positive thing said about me. I, I really mm. I really can't I can't believe a positive thing said about me unless someone tells me over oh, and over and over mm-hmm. again. So like I my answer one another answer to this question is like if you surround yourself with people that are constantly reminding you that you're worthy of the things mm. that you're pursuing, that you're worthy of the things that um that you're trying to accomplish and that you're not you don't have to, you know, as you say, subscribe to this like artifice or whatever. Yeah. I think those people have been kind of like the most life giving and life saving, like, you know, uh things that have like made me believe that I could do honestly anything. Yeah. In my and career. it's yeah. it's so it, on the career side, I find as someone who's trying to negotiate a career that is not down a traditional path where yeah. I have like a job and a creative practice yeah. and all of it is work all of the time. But like, I'm kind of saying fuck you to the norms that say if you're a college teacher, you can't also write about sex yeah. openly. Right. Yeah. And like that is both deeply queer and like has a lot to do with late capitalism because yeah. like one job is often not enough mm-hmm. to support us right. and creative workers always have to have a hustle. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, I feel like I get a lot of imposter syndrome from that because we're not supposed to act that way. It's right. like you're supposed to have a career right. and a job and that's supposed mm-hmm. to pay the bills and it's sort of, that's supposed to be your life. And so it's been really tough for me to negotiate. And And I think you're right. It's about looking inside and being excited about your projects and understanding yourself and kind of saying fuck you to the system that tries to constrain the possibilities of your career. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I also like what you said about having it make you more competitive. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like the way in which my competitive self wants to wants to beat out that part of me that feels mm-hmm. like an imposter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, fuck you. Then I'll learn more and exactly. I'll get better mm-hmm. and I'll work harder and I'll be smarter about yeah. what it is that I'm doing and I will find my way of doing this. That's right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Power yeah. to that. <laughs> yeah. um, one more. How do you make friends as an adult? Wow. <laughs> 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 All of us are like, oh. you don't. <laughs> Next question. You work with people that you think are interesting. <laughs> this person says, oh. uh, they, <laughs> they say, I just moved to a new city um, and have to move again in, in the next year thanks to your immigration system. Ugh, fuck America. Uh, first of oh. all, like, to, like uh, for for the person okay. who asked asked this question, like, we're so sorry. That's how happening to you like yeah. this is like absolutely uh, we live in a bogus country and like I, you know as someone who's like you know moved in to many different cities in a very short amount of time short, short amounts of time mm-hmm. I know that it's like moving has been like the hardest thing that I've ever had to do like yeah. uh, I would even say I would venture to say that moving to New York in a lot of ways was almost harder than coming out of the closet like mm-hmm. it was a really really tough thing you know mm-hmm. um, I don't know how to begin to answer this question when it comes to making friends I always yeah. go for it I think you volunteer. Mm-hmm. I think you show up mm-hmm. consistently and repetitively and as much as you possibly can for whatever mm-hmm. interests you. You go, you're early, you say, I can do this, I can be of service this way. You make yourself available. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you, yeah, I think being of service is the best way to do that. And then to find that. people that you're also like, that you're have all the same interests with and can do, do a project with. Because mm-hmm. if you're not in school, 
uh, mm. taking a class is a great way to meet people sometimes. Mm. Mm. But like, okay. if you're not in school, like finding colleagues in some way, like you all created this podcast, mm-hmm. not because someone was like, I'm going to give you $50 million to mm-hmm. do it, but because probably you wanted to like come together and have an interesting conversation and have relationship. Mm-hmm. And this is a very related mm-hmm. way of being, right? I yeah. really love your use of the word colleague too, because I think colleague has like this kind of career oriented weight to it. And it doesn't, it shouldn't have to have that. Mm-hmm. Like a colleague, uh, the definition of a colleague should be people that you work laterally with on truly anything yeah. or yeah. people that you are in, who are you are peers with, but you also work alongside or adjacent to each other. Like yeah. that's a colleague. Um, yeah. As I was, uh, Thinking about how I made friends moving through grad school and out of grad school, uh, I read like one of those pop psychology articles that said that the two things that make friendships kind of naturally happen are like inform lots of informal interactions and like seeing someone consistently without yeah. having to make plans, right? Yeah. So it's like being able to like shoot the shit, talk like about a TV show or like those small yeah. informal interactions that are low pressure, those and then sort of the consistency. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's easy to make friends at work, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's why it's easy to make friends. I think volunteering or having, yeah. you know, doing it's it's so cliche, but doing like a sports team, right? Those yeah. so yeah. those like those routine yeah. informal interactions where You're they're low of- pressure and you build up little by little and tacking onto that i always tell people because i i'm someone who deals with like a lot of social anxiety there are a lot of reasons why it's like difficult to step out the door sometimes uh and i you know if you're someone like that at home i always say like think about how you were would treat um friendship or the act of like trying to go and make friends or going to volunteer go, putting yourself out there if you were paid a certain dollar amount an, an hour to do it if you treated it like your job if you treated it like your if you treated it like with with um in a way that like you know had a systemized you know if you had like a reward system of some kind like think about like how you would go about that um but i, I don't know i know that's like a joe's like cringing because he's like why are you making this a capitalist endeavor uh, like it's such a tourist uh, i know it really yeah. and i'm but a like, whatever works, so i'm like i'm like no I, i'm someone I, that who feels wrong to when me. things are too amorphous i have to like concretize <laughs> them with like yeah. weird structures or with rules and i know that's so stupid but if that trick no, works for you stupid. you know that happens yeah. but another thing that i was going to say is because this person is specifically in like a transient space they're moving to Twice in two so years. Hard. Mm. I super duper believe in the power of internet friends and, yes. and how mm-hmm. much how life saving that can yeah. be and like you know find your community online wherever that may be whether you know it's like in a Facebook group or whether it's on like pottermore.com or like uh, on a Tori Amos messaging board or you know yeah. whatever that you want to whatever place you like find people that are like yeah. you on the internet and that that shit is so real like I mean a lot of people love Roxanne Gay she's talked about the fact that she made friends yeah. when she was in yeah. graduate school and in a really rural place where she didn't know anyone yeah. through um through Twitter, through doing Scrabble online. Like, these things are... It's that, it, it. I mean, it's not the way that, like, I've necessarily done it, but I, I would. I. It's Digital friendship is, is really real. <laughs> it's time we get into the meat of our discussion, the thought process, if you will, spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T. And for our healthy helping of meat and potatoes today, uh, the theme of this episode is astrology. Oh. Um, when I was just a young girl growing up in a conservative suburb of Chicago, I was told by my mother that astrology was the devil. Um, no offense to astrology, but my mother also thought that Harry Potter was the devil, as well as Hocus Pocus, Olivia Newton-John, and all Hot Topic stores. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to me looking back now that the very reason my mother was trying to warn me of what she thought was kind of like a gateway drug into devil worship was actually like the very thing that would help me find a sense of spirituality um, uh, that I had abandoned for almost a decade. Um, the very, you know, that my parents had given, given me. Um, what 
was she scared of anyway? And I think um, to you, anyone, she was afraid of you becoming exactly who you are <laughs> right now. This. And then this. God gave her a queer witch son. Yes. Um, yeah. Who dresses uh, in all black with red nails. <laughs> um, and anyways, to, to anyone who doesn't really subscribe to astrology in general as like a thing, like what do they fear? Um, mm. So I'm curious, like Chani, we were talking a little bit off the mic about. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But like, what do you think people fear in astrology when they fear it? I think the reason why people fear astrology so much is that it is such an ancient fear of two things. One of being in contact with a system that can communicate directly to you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Two of being fucked over by people that don't have your best intentions at heart. And that's real because mm-hmm. human beings are astrologers and human beings are all kinds of wonderful and messy and horrible and mm-hmm. have. So like any profession, there are, you know, people with a great agenda and people that don't have. And so we have, we astrologers have been mostly, for most of, you know, his, Western history, kind of like pushed into a corner of people that don't have uh, good intentions. So mm. we're just trying to get your money and we're just mm. trying to freak you out and get you to come back and get another reading and like have you be hooked on our information kind of thing. So wow, we need sound, you to need us. That doesn't sound anything like organized religion. <laughs> <laughs> Irish Catholic, you said. That doesn't sound familiar to me at all. They want my money and they want me to keep coming back to give confession because I've done horrible things. I mean, see, so like we were in, like they thought they felt like we were a threat. Yeah. So the Catholic Church, Christian, how do you say that? It's the Catholic Church, right? Is the institution. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Felt a threat, but then and then so then you look at other like religions, like bigger religions like Judaism and like rabbi there is a rabbi uh, mm. that is a very famous rabbi uh, uh, Abraham Ibn Ezra who other rabbis to this day will quote is uh, because he's known as a rabbi and a Jewish philosopher but he was also an astrologer mm-hmm. oh, wow. uh, and a huge a very like important astrologer because he was translating texts from much earlier and so he was he was part, he's part of both of those traditions mm-hmm. but in Jewish community in like traditional Jewish community or more conservative Jewish community you would never hear anyone talk talk about astrology because it's against God mm-hmm. because mm. I think that as the world, as the Western world, we can say like became more and more like 
having to deal with the puritanical nature of Christianity or the mm-hmm. Catholic Church, mm-hmm. then everybody else had to too. Right. right? So right, the right, more right, right. and more all other religions or ways of being had to like strip themselves of any kind of notions of magic or connection to the earth. Because uh-huh. really, mm. astrology is just an observation of the sky, right. and it's an it's an observation of the correlation of the nature of the planets, and and then the nature of minerals and plants and herbs and temperaments in the body here on Earth. Right, 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 right. right. So I it's really, just correlative. I really like that. I think it's important to uh, define astrology actually for our listeners, and I also wondering what to you because you gave us a little bit of it, but what to you is like the biggest like. Uh, a bad definition of astrology. <laughs> What's the one that everyone else says that you're like the one that's sure. the one that is very, very, very uh, understandably prolific and also incredibly shallow is science. Mm, exactly, it's okay. just to base an entire mm. system of knowledge, which again is about the observation of the quality of light and rhythm of planets in the sky, down to the little pieces of sky that they move through based on the constellations. Mm-hmm. They're, 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 the same, they're two parts of the same system, but and they're, they're necessary. Like signs are places where planets in, live and inhabit and rule and have better times in and worse times in, but they are not the be-all, end-all. So we've boiled down everything because memes are fun. Dennis, you're someone who doesn't know anything about astrology. <laughs> <laughs> Literally nothing. <laughs> people are, people, I'll tell people what like, oh, your- I'm a Sagittarius. Well, I'll tell people, oh, I'm a Sagittarius, and then they'll say something like, oh, that means you're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> what do you think? I'm, I want to know what you think astrology is so that we can, you know, understand how it's misunderstood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm messy. Um, <laughs> Producer the, Alex says messy. What I'm actually getting through to is, like, I think for a really long time, I thought of astrology as divination as yes, and yes, as yes. something that is supposed to, like, foreclose on my future. Right. And or I think, change it, even. And I think that when we, when people, mm-hmm. when people's only entry points are, like, reading horoscopes, like, in the newspaper that might be what they're thinking what i'm curious yeah. like what i but I, that's not really how like my understanding of astrology has like grown you know like yeah. i think well there's also it's good to note that there there is a, a branch of astrology that can be used specifically for divination so you could come to me with a question and ask it to me and the moment that i hear it okay. i take a i take a snapshot of the sky and i read an answer for you wow. based on the moment that you t- the based on the moment that I understand your question. Okay. There is a chart mm. for that, and that can be used to tell you yes, it's a good idea. Mm, doesn't look like a good idea. Right. It's going to have some problems. It might come to pass, but it might not be what you think. Okay. Or yes, it's a total go. Wow, fascinating. So there is that way that you can use it. But then there's also the the moment that you take your first breath. There's a snapshot of the sky, and you, and it is or you are. The you become the astrological amulet of that moment. Oh, that's so beautiful. And so all the properties in that moment are constellated in you. Mm. And as you live and unpack your life and unpack your purpose and struggle and pursue and triumph and fail and all those things, you get to understand the ways in which that constellation can be Mm. lived. But you have the choice of how you live inside of that constellation, inside of that amulet. But the amulet is itself. I love that. That is so uh, meaningful to me. And really, one of the things that astrology did for me as I was growing through my 20s and unpacking my Mm. life and figuring out who I was, was it helped me unpack a lot of toxic masculinity, actually, because I've always been a very emotional person. uh, And I was, you know, because I'm, I'm trained as a scientist, right? So I was sort of trained to reject other epistemologies, like, you know, 
Western Enlightenment rationality tells you that that's the one way to access capital T, capital yeah. T, the truth, yeah. and that other epistemologies are not serious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a good friend who was one of the smartest people I know, so I really respected her, and she kind of opened me up to astrology and did my first reading. And when I read about the emotional emotional and creative nature of Pisces, it unlocked something in me. And it, it, made me, it made me feel okay. It made me feel okay in like, you know, capitalism, masculinity, uh, patriarchy was telling me that as a man, I had to be hard and not creative and practical. And I had all of these things inside of me all along that my amulet was just crying. Yeah. Just always crying. <laughs> you know? And, and, it, and, but like, I couldn't stop crying and I fought that for so many years and and astrology helped unlock that for me and, yeah. and accept it as a beautiful thing and as a thing that gave me power yeah. and that, you know, rejecting toxic masculinity also gave me a power. Yes. So the storytelling epistemology of astrology helped me heal a lot from right. what had been a youth where I couldn't see those things. I'm curious what, and because I know Joe is not this scientist, but what would you say to a, a scientist? Not that you would ever really want to like reckon with this person. <laughs> But what would you say to a scientist that's looking to debunk or or challenge you in astrology? Again, not that you would give yeah, that yeah. person time or energy, but uh, cool. Like, <laughs> I, like tell me what you know about astrology. And mm. the, uh, yeah, and they would How be like, and they work? would, and they'd be yeah. like, I don't know. They'd be like, I don't know. And, then and you also, say, let's talk about the history of it. So I don't mm-hmm. care if you believe in. I don't even know what it means to believe in astrology. Exactly. But it's like let's talk about the history of science, Ooh. astronomy, yes. astrology. And medicine, because they all were the same thing. Mm -hmm. I had a really interesting conversation with this doctor, Dr. Darian. Mm -hmm. I think that's what his IG is, right? Mm -hmm. Amazing person. And we had like a five-minute conversation about medicine and astrology. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, I never knew that. That's so cool. I could could have a conversation with you for hours about this. Mm -hmm. Because there's properties in the body that were originally related to the planets and how – and they are – they still show up in the same way. So he and I can have a conversation mm-hmm. about medical conditions in the body. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we can be talking two languages that are related but different but come to the same conclusion. Yeah. And reach at the same point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Because it's about properties. We're talking about universal properties. Mm-hmm. So the planets are always correlating to the universal properties in the body and on the earth. Mm-hmm. So, and they don't change, right? Like fire is fire, earth is earth, water is water, air is air. And those things are found uh, in the sky as well as on the earth and in our bodies. So it's all, it's all related. And any kind of other system of medicine Mm -hmm. that will be there too in its roots. So this is, so sorry. And so I, again, know virtually nothing about astrology, Mm -hmm. but I'm just really resonating with this because um, it all sounds a lot like... So when I was in high school, I started studying a lot of other religions. I took mm. religion courses like in my in in my classwork because Sagittarius. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like okay, and it, it, it clocked. And um, I really came away from it for the first time in my life with an under with with the idea that like so many different systems of belief and, and systems of faith, and I began to understand how they were systems. Mm-hmm. Um, were really just kind of like different paths towards the same destination, and then I began to sort of think about that in in larger ways. So I began to mm-hmm. think about the idea that like science, where there were some people in my um, sort of religious 
circle who were like, oh, science is, is science is is anti-Christian. It's anti this, anti that. And I'm like, well, I'm taking science classes every day and I'm going to church every week. And mm. none of this actually seems all that inconsistent. It right. all kind of right. seems like it actually, if you From think about it in a different place. way, works together. Yeah. Like yeah. it all works together. Yeah. Mm. And so I don't know any of this really deeply. I've not studied science since high school. I've never really studied astrology. But um, this is the way that I have always sort of tried to look at it since since I began to to experience in that way. Mm. So kind of hearing you you talk about that, about how the ways in which even these things that are bigger, like I've never really thought about medicine, I'm not a doctor, mm. um, how they're all working together in one mm. way. It makes so much sense to me. Like we're we're living on one world. That's, of course, part of a bunch of the other planets. But it it just all makes sense to we're me. We're created from every – everything is created from the same properties, right? Yeah. So if we really are stardust, then we're related to everything else around. We tend to think of ourselves as separate from. But these older systems help to kind of loop us back around. So like I might talk about Mars in your chart. Mm -hmm. But uh, but when uh, if if you were coming to me for a medical situation and there was a problem with Mars, then it would be a problem with inflammation, Mm -hmm. which might be like rooted in a psychological problem of anger which might be rooted in like a boundary mm. crossing and and then when you look at the sim and then there might be like a, a raising of the blood to the surface of the skin which would give you a rash or inflammation of some kind and then we might look and realize that mars is a the only planet in the sky that's red mm-hmm. so uh, mars has always been related to those things because of the qualities of it but also because what the ancients realize when they tracked it for hundreds of years mm-hmm. what happened when Mars did this and that and this. So there's <sighs> there's a there's a scientific way in which it's been studied for thousands of years, uh-huh. but I wouldn't call it a science per se. Yeah. Right? So I mean I think that I totally it's correlation. Totally, totally agree with that. And yeah. I you know I think the notion also is that like if you accept astrology, that means you reject right. quote unquote Western science. Right. It's like no, it's like two entirely different modes of understanding that inform one another and right. can inform you as a person person and right. they feed different portions of you. Right. You're allowed to take ibuprofen for right. your inflammation right. and and also, right. you know, like try to understand a, in a deeper and different way right. where that might be coming from and right. how to fix it holistically, right? And, right? right. Another yes. thing that I think that will appeal to like a lot of our listeners and anybody with a creative life is that something that I love about astrology is like its ability to like build narratives. It's, it's storytelling. storytelling. It's yeah. like it's like stringing things together and making conclusions and a version of I mean, nothing replaces therapy except for therapy, but like it's a version, it's there, it has a it's therapeutic, therapeutic quality yeah. to it um, that I really love. And that's another reason why I really love tarot, like, and I've just started to dapple in it because it's like, I love the storytelling value. I love building narratives. I love characters. I love mm-hmm. um, de- deciphering personality traits and like having, making that make sense. And I will, I will also add in my little Marxist rant that the notion <laughs> that the notion that the only way to view the world is rational, right. you know, that that. That notion is in service mm-hmm. of capitalism, white supremacy. Mm-hmm. It is in service mm-hmm. of the status quo. It is in service of getting you to spend money on snaps, medicines snaps, and, do- you know, snaps. so it's mm-hmm. like, you know, one can be critical of that and also just accept that that epistemology, you know, sort of Western, quote unquote, rationality, quote unquote, 
science, it, it can inform us and feed us. And it also gets to some of the same basic questions about at, at a more basic physical level, like what is the nature of the universe? What is the nature of uh, living beings? And, you know, those are philosophy, like questions of philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. So this notion that all of these epistemologies are separate is also false, mm-hmm. right? They are very much in conversation with one another. And quantum theory in the late 20th century proved that, mm-hmm. right? When when science once again said actually observation alters the outcome of right. an experiment. And that right. then it sort of feeds back on itself to say that actually, okay, no. Because there you're is, in a relationship with ex- what because you're looking you're, at. Y- you as an observer are in a relationship with what you're observing. And because always. everything, you know, every- Which is what astrology is. Exactly. It's a relationship right? with what you're observing. So the, I, and how it might be observing you. Exactly. And so I think these people who are like, <laughs> Dennis just fell that. out yeah. of their chair. I love that. And how it might be observing yeah. you. So like these people who argue that, you know, how can you believe in astrology when we're, you know, unable to believe science and climate change? It's like you are that that framework through which you're viewing so these things in opposition so are, is sad. incredibly sad. Yeah. And Thank you, Joseph, yeah. for always bringing the show back to one of our key brand pillars, quantum theory of the late yes. 20th century. <laughs> yes, yes. I really appreciate it. I'm that. Schrodinger's thought. Right oh. Here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> will I thought or will I not thought? It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Actually. I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm curious about the um, personal relationship that you develop with people that you read for, people oh that gosh. you, what you a know. Question. Because, because and, and I don't mean like intimately, but like you, uh, <laughs> I didn't ask you to, but when we got tea, Yikes. you were you like. You did give me your chart. You though. were like, you were. <laughs> She, <laughs> nah, nah, yes, yes. you, Hello. you gave me your chart. Excuse so. me. No, the conversation was as follows. <laughs> it was like, "What are yes. you again?" Oh, you're a Taurus, and she said, "Are you?" Uh, and what is your rising? And I said, "Also Taurus." And then you said, "Give me your chart." <laughs> I was asked and ran was like, with the receipts. Let me let me also pr- let me just set this. I let me set the record straight. Also, I went into this tea being like the one thing you can't do, Fran, is give your chart to Cheney Nicholas. Like that is labor. She deserves to be paid. For everyone, that. Like, everyone do does not, it. Everyone like, must do fucking not give do her it. Your yes. fucking chart, and then you. I mean, I just if you asked me to do anything, I would do it. Um. So, but I, but what, the reason I'm telling this whole story is because like you did make me cry uh and like <laughs> wait, Fran has feelings she also looked at my chart for like four seconds and then laughed at it <laughs> and let me tell why, you why did I laugh Fran let me tell why? you dear listeners why was this not recorded there's nothing more unsettling than Channy Nicholas laughing at your birth chart correct correct um, so ready for but this but I laughed because why? I don't remember. Because you are doing exactly what your chart wants you to do. Yeah, yeah. So the you are like so a clear manifestation of it. Yeah. So I, it's like it's, it's <laughs> so when I look at charts like that and I know somebody, I'm like, well, this is just going to sound like I'm talking about you because right. yeah, you're right, doing right, a really right, good right, job right, right, of living right, right. this out. Right. It's much more fun for me when it's some it's a stranger. Yeah. Because yeah. then I can impress them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
then the read is like fresh. Yeah. And I, but I also know that that's like a common experience when people get their charts read, they have a really deep emotional reaction, maybe because they didn't expect to hear yeah, such yeah, things yeah. about themselves. Yeah. And it's similarly in therapy or in when you like have a really good talk with a friend, when you unpack things like that, it just like it works. But yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Like what, when you had, like when you are reading for someone or when you're just talking about their chart in general, like do you like seek an intimate connection or are you, do you, are you very like, you know, pragmatic about it? It really depends on the situation. So some people will come to a reading and they, each each person, each reading evokes a different response from me. Mm. And I have to really check myself in that response I'm because sure. sometimes I can get very like um, – I can get very kind of disciplinarian mm-hmm. in a sense. I can get really like harsh mm-hmm. and so I have a very Saturn-y thing in my chart. <laughs> and so I can be very like, look, da 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 da. And I have to like mm-hmm. learn how, I have had to learn how to roll that back. And sometimes I think I don't do a very good job with it, but it depends on where the person's at and how receptive they are to what I'm saying. Not so that they are agreeing with everything that I'm saying, but it's about how self-reflective they are are and so when I say something they can meet me in a place Mm -hmm. if someone's not self-reflective then I have to give them more empirical evidence of like you did this on this day and in this month you had this thing and I can do that and I I will do that I'll throw that stuff down to create safety with somebody Wow. to say like I'm going to like carve out a section of time and we're going to talk about some of the bigger things that happened here just so that you know where I'm coming from and Mm -hmm. what I'm looking at and then I can go around and go into sort of more personal things. And some people are so defended, rightly so, mm-hmm. and they have the right to be, but it's a lot more work for me, <laughs> um, into the stuff where I'll, you know, there'll be like huge red flags in somebody's chart and I've got to get there if it's a reading, if it's a full out reading. And so it's always about what, how that per- what that person needs in that moment and mm-hmm. how I can best serve them. And sometimes I leave those red flags alone. I don't open up everything, obviously. But when there's something that's standing in the way of what they want Mm -hmm. and I can see it clearly, then I need them to be willing to have that conversation with me. And most people that come to me are. Some people are not. And then it's funny what happens. Mm -hmm. I remember I had this reading a long time ago with this person who was – you know, like quite a figure in the queer community mm-hmm. uh, in the place that I was at at the time. And I gave them this reading and I was like, and they were, they just sat there with their arms crossed oh, looking at me the whole time, gave me nothing. And I was like sweating bullets. Oh gosh. It was also much earlier in my career. So I wasn't nearly as like confident. Mm-hmm. And I ended up being like, it's kind of like if, and I went on this whole rambling story. I just like made up a story about their chart and they left and they were like not impressed with me and like gave me nothing. Oh, I like fell to pieces. It's a lot of anxiety oh, yeah, when sure. it doesn't work like that. And so a year later. I can't wait for the comeuppance. Oh, I know it's coming. A year later. Or a couple, like a, it was a good amount, amount of, time, of time, like six months to a year later. They came back to me and they were like, exactly what you said happened verbatim. Oh. And I was just riffing. So it was like something was obviously coming through mm. so that this person could get checked, yeah. <laughs> but it not be from me. You know what I mean? Right. Wow. And so they were like aghast that everything had come to pass, as I said. And mm. I wasn't even predicting. I, oh. I don't love, like I, my whole thing is not 
prediction. That's mm-hmm. not like my jam, but I really love to to talk about like where people's life purpose lies in their mm-hmm. chart. Like this is the area of your life that you must unpack and live into and explore and do. And if you do, you're going to feel satisfaction. I'm not saying right. it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that everything will be like handed to you, but this is where meaning is for you in I your life. Mm. And always people are like, that's exactly what I want to do, or that's exactly yeah. what I am doing. I and so it's, it's never off. I've never said that to somebody and been, been like, I don't know what you're talking about. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> So um, uh, you all, uh, we're going to turn off the the recording devices and Chani's going to tell us all our life purposes. So uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, you signed up for this. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Cute. Well, thank you, everyone. Oh thank you. I'm feeling like I'm full, but I could fit just one more thing inside me. Uh, Dennis knows what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, we are so excited that actually Chani is the person bringing the dessert for us. Today. Yes. What is the thing nom, at nom, the nom. end of this episode that you would recommend to all of our listeners? So there is a new show on Netflix called Sex Education. Mm-hmm. I love it already. Mm-hmm. And it stars, well, one of the people in it is... Jillian Anderson. Oh, I love Jillian Anderson. With Amazing. her short white haircut. Oh. It is to die for. Mm. She plays a sex therapist who has a practice in her home, and she has a teenage son who has problems with his with well, his problem is that he can't masturbate, he can't come, he can't, he can't like be intimate with himself. Yeah. Mm. He's probably there. I guess they're like around 16 or something. So he has all of these huge wow. sexual hangups at 16. That's all wow. I did. Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. So he's totally different than everybody right. in his school. And then you go into the universe of his school and it's just everybody's sexual escapades, problems, mm-hmm. issues that da, da. And he, without, this is a minor spoiler alert. Cause it happens, I think in the second episode, but he becomes the sex therapist at the school. Oh, <gasps> Oh my god. There are queer relationships. Yes. There are just like they just like go everywhere. There's stuff about <gasps> masturbation. There's like female masturbation, like ejaculation, all the things, daddy issues, mama issues. Love like daddy issues love mama. De- Dennis. Dennis is only daddy issues ever. <laughs> daddy Super, issues. Yeah. Super cute. Uh like, you know, teenage foray into teenagehood, but also with the overlap of the mom and how she's, you know, um, the word inappropriate (laughs) Fair, Fair. Um, and the impact on her son and yet she's like a really loving mother and everybody's like got a really nice complex character and they give backstory on everybody and it's it's sweet i mean one thing that i'm very proud of and and with our very extremely slutty podcast is our Mm -hmm. ability to like talk talk through and talk about things that are uh deemed taboo Mm -hmm. and i love that there that that a network as big as Netflix is like trying to put things out there that are addressing taboo yeah. like very unashamedly especially yeah, as absolutely. it comes to as it pertains to sex education and sex therapy which is a thing that like we are deprived of in this yeah. and queerness absolutely. and queerness, queerness. Oh, yeah. oh my god and the and the boys in it have a really like there's a the two best friends one's straight one's not and they have a really loving relationship um and oh. they've been BFF since like 9 years old and they hug and they dance and they dress up in drag to go to Hedwig and like oh. it's a whole thing. There's yeah. a, that's amazing. I'm gonna start crying because I yeah. don't 
it, it has felt impossible for me to have straight male friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because I like, I just was bullied by them yeah. all of my yeah. youth and yeah. even through college. So yeah. it's like a thing that feels really yeah. hard. And so that sort of loving yeah. uh, relationship like from a straight man, I couldn't and, imagine. I like always, it's really sweet. Uh, it's great role modeling. Yeah. Wow, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, that's amazing. Uh, thanks for that, Chan. Yeah. Thank you. I can't wait to go and watch This episode of Food for Thought was made possible by the generous, unequivocal support of Rosé and also our new home at Forever Dog. Our producer is our sexual North Star, Alexandra De Palma. Yes, I will follow you anywhere, mama. <laughs> our social media manager is the Allison Janey of the podcasting world, Christina Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or Channy will literally hex you. Yes! I swear to God. <laughs> Do we it. Make it happen. Okay. <laughs> I'm Fran. You can find me at Fran Squishco on Instagram and Twitter and also Venmo, honestly. If you want to be there. Yeah. I'm Dennis Norris II. And you can find me on Twitter at the Earl Denden, T H E E A R L T E N D E N. I'm Joseph Osmondson. You can find me at www.josephosmondson.com. That is such a good crow. <laughs> I'm Chani Nicholas, and you can find me at C H A N I N I C H O L A S.com. Find us on Instagram at Gay Sluts Who Read and join us on Facebook at Twitter at Food for Thought Pod, where each week we pin some questions at the top of our page to continue the discussion of this week's episode. Mm-hmm. Sign up for our newsletter to see a list of everything we are reading, show notes, and some extra delectable content at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. And finally, email us your questions, thoughts, concerns, and dick, dick pics at, food, at thoughts at foodforthoughtpodcast.com. As always, that is food, the number four, and thoughts spelled how? T-H-O-T. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.